0: What did we learn about WNBA All-Star Weekend and what went on on the ground in Las Vegas? Annie Constable of the Chicago Sun-Times was there, but now (laughs) she is here right now to discuss what she saw and what she felt in Las Vegas. The Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast, it starts right now.
1: Ogumba wallet win Good! you are locked on women's basketball your daily podcast on women's basketball
0: And welcome. You are locked on to women's basketball. I'm Jackie Powell. I'm one of your Friday hosts. I cover the New York Liberty at the next. I help with the next social media strategy. And I've covered women's basketball nationally at many other places. We want to thank you for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember that Locked on Women's Basketball is brought to you by everyone at The Next, which is a place where we cover women's basketball all the time. We tell the stories that need to be told every day. And if you subscribe now, you can get 27% off our typical price in honor, of course, of the WNBA's 27th season. And so you can get a subscription for $52.56 for a year rather than $72 for a year. Also, Locked on Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all, all of those podcast formats. So last time you and I were together, listeners, I had Lucas Seehofer on to discuss his WNBA injury tracker and why it's important and why it matters. But today, Annie and I are going to chat about the evolution of WNBA All-Star and sort of where she saw the most change from year to year. Then we're going to get into some news that came out of All-Star. And then finally, we're going to discuss the future Of WNBA All-Star as it will go to Phoenix in 2024. But Annie, hello, welcome. I am so happy to have you on. I think where I want to start is just simply, what was different about All-Star Weekend in Vegas this year? Well, for me,
1: we had one all or this guy had one all star versus four. So that was the biggest difference. Um, No jokes aside, Ka obviously made her third straight all star appearance. That's what brought me to Las Vegas. And I would say the biggest difference that I noticed was just the the. God, how do I say this? Um. The spectacle of it all, like Kalani performed at halftime. The WNBA Live was this massive space in Mandalay. Um, from start to finish, there was just a spectacle happening somewhere. And the WNBA obviously was at the center of it. The WNBA was the spectacle. So there just was, yeah, there was a clear uh, priority made to make the event the highlight of the weekend. And it was clear that, you know, NBA summer league wasn't going to mess with it. Like it just, it it was the highlight of the weekend in Las Vegas from, you know, Thursday to Sunday.
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember that was sort of the deal in 2021, although in 2021 the COVID restrictions were so tight and WNBA Live wasn't really a thing. I mean, it it made its debut in Chicago a year ago, but mm-hmm. there were there were clearly some some hiccups. So I, I guess when it comes to WNBA Live, what differences did you see from year over year?
1: Well, just the amount of people that could enjoy it. I mean, in Chicago, there obviously were more than a few hiccups as far as people being able to get access to the entire weekend of events, there was no issue whatsoever in in Vegas as far as that goes. So, I mean, WNBA Live was just completely different. It was an entire, like, uh, gosh, um, how do you describe it? Um, It was like an entire room um, of space, Mm. like a convention center room, you know, of space with all these different booths set up and meet and greet set up and like it just from start to finish like I said was was a party so even if you let's say you didn't have a ticket to the game or the skills competition you still very much felt like you could be involved in WNBA all-star and that wasn't the case obviously in Chicago I think a lot of people's biggest issue with Chicago all-star weekend um, was the lack of opportunity to participate to enjoy to meet players to engage with the WNBA and here it was like the WNBA was everywhere it was like pop 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 everywhere from the moment you landed like it was all star everywhere so
0: that's that's really interesting you know i one of my memories from 2022 all star was the fact that the pampered chef convention was sort of everywhere <laughs>
1: Right. And- if you're getting outdone by Pampered Chef, like there's clearly something amiss with the handlings of of All-Star. And I will say, like, I'm not here to completely drag to, like the 2022 All-Star experience. I think a lot of people enjoyed it. I mean, Sue Bird, Candace Parker, like some of the league stars talked about how much fun it was because they felt like for the first time they were able to create parties and, and, establish like this, um, that similar energy to NBA all-star. And so I think Chicago was great for a lot of reasons. It set a new standard. Um, but it definitely, you know, had, had its issues as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think we have to remember that the years 2020 and 2021 into 2022, were we were still trying to figure out how to get out of of covid i mean i think a reason why those those parties didn't really happen but also in in 2021 it was sort of the right before the olympics and so it will be interesting and we'll discuss this later but it will be interesting to see post covid how the w does an all-star before the Olympics, because we can even see in these first couple of games of the second half of the season, players are sort of dealing with that, that all-star hangover.
1: Totally. Oh my God. Totally. I mean, I'm dealing with an all-star hangover. Are you kidding? (laughs) Like, absolutely. Oh my God. Absolutely.
0: So I'm just curious when you, when you reflect, like when you walked in and walked away what do you think that all-star accomplished
1: i think again it was like another opportunity for the players to be centered and like feel as they should all the time like they are the greatest athletes in the world right like all-star is a time not to take things too seriously other the only thing that should be taken seriously and this is just my opinion is is the stardom of these players like these are your all-stars these are you know as voted by media fans and coaches the top of the league so from start to finish they should be celebrated and um not only celebrated by the league but absorbed by the fans and the city as, as such. And I think again, from start to finish, I mean, I guess you would have to get players opinions on that, but just as an outside observer, it seemed like from start to finish, the players were treated and were um, propped up and, and elevated in a way that they should be and should always be. So um, to me, yeah, I think that was, um, yeah, that was a, that was a great Great quality of, of the All-Star weekend.
0: Yeah. I mean, it just, in addition, obviously, to having BG there for all of it, mm-hmm. um, there wasn't sort of this heavy, looming issue that was being discussed. I mean, I remember back in Chicago. Oh, you don't think James Wade resigning midseason
1: was a heavy, looming issue?
0: <laughs> I'm just kidding.
1: I, well, no, well, fringes. I'm just, I'm joking. I'm joking. Like league wide. I totally. Yeah, of course. Of course. Sorry. Just,
0: no, no, we we will discuss that in segment two. But I just remember there was there was a press conference um, with the Reverend Al Sharpton and, and NECA a year ago. And it just it sort of added this like a heaviness. And, and you're sort of saying like all star, it, it needs to be fun. Um, And I feel like with BG, like clowning on Chelsea Gray and, you know, even what Sabrina was able to do and and the fact that these players could actually meet their fans like that, you know, I feel like that has been missing and it makes me so glad that that has been rectified and hopefully it will continue to be.
1: Absolutely. And I just want to clarify, I was by no means like comparing James Wade's resignation to obviously the significance and heaviness of, of, you know, last year's all-star game and everything that the league was, was facing as far as Brittany Griner's wrongful detainment. Absolutely um, not my, my, what I was meaning to do there, but um, I will say like having BG back, everybody was so happy. Like everybody was so happy. And I think that's been felt all season Each time, obviously, uh, any opponent is is playing Phoenix, like there's new hugs had and and everybody's just so excited to see BG. But this was everybody collectively celebrating BG being present and how far things have come over the last year. And to your point, you're right. Like this was the first time in a few years that there hasn't been something significant hanging over the All-Star Weekend. Again, was not trying to compare James Lane's resignation to COVID or any other significant moment in WNBA history, but it was like the first time in a few years that there was no outside force uh, that that had you know that that players needed to speak on or or needed to put themselves in vulnerable positions about it, it was it felt like a, a true moment to celebrate everybody being together. Um, And I think that was really special.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, of course, obviously we appreciate the WNBA because of how its players are, are very bold and how they speak on certain things. But I I think it's an absolute um, interesting point and interesting idea to bring up that this was sort of the, the first year in a few years where, okay, they could take a deep breath, they could have fun. And, you know, obviously, I think the social justice theme this year is maternal health. Mm. And I think we'll, we'll start to see some of those things in, in different team markets come up. I mean, obviously, when the Commissioner's Cup comes around, just making sure we ask those players exactly, you know, what they're playing for. But anyway... We are going to take a short break, but coming up, we're going to talk about some of the big news that came out of All-Star Weekend, uh, which has some Chicago ties, obviously. But first, I want to chat with y'all about FanDuel. So let me pull up the FanDuel overlay. Anyway, so, take your first swing at betting MLB at on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets win or lose. That's 200 that you can spend betting Everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on the app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. Yes. Thank you, Fanduel. All right, Annie, let's
1: get to The News. The news. As you can see, I'm trying to make jokes (laughs) regarding all of the news that's taken place because it's been a busy few weeks in Chicago.
0: It has. And so I think what I want to start with is if you could take me through Exactly how the sky were able to get Dwayne Wade to commit to investing in the franchise because that's a big deal.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it starts with Dwayne Wade's advocacy, you know, from top to bottom. Dwayne's a very involved person in the community, in many communities, right? Like he's based in LA, but he's from Chicago. He's also lived in Miami, and he is a very vocal person when it comes to human rights issues and him and his wife, Gabrielle Union. So it's I I think it starts with with that, right, because um, the alters and um, the ownership group in general have always been very vocal about finding the right kind of investors. And I think a lot of WNBA um, franchises, I I would argue all of them um, are going about trying to find investors that align with the WNBA's values, right? So I think it starts there with Dwayne being someone who's not trying to put on a front, like he aligns with the W's values, he just does. And so when you see someone like that, you're paying attention, it becomes a no brainer, um, or you'd hope it becomes a no brainer if you're a fan of this guy to that the ownership group would want to include someone like that. So after speaking with Dwayne, I learned that this has been a conversation for some time now. He was approached by Michael Alter and Nadia Rawlinson at the NBA All-Star Game in Utah. And mm-hmm. even before that, he had heard rumors that they were going to, or I guess I shouldn't say rumors, he had heard kind of rumblings that, that they wanted him um, to join their ownership group. So when they approached him, it wasn't a complete surprise. At least that's, kind of how he described it in our brief conversation at all-star game or at the all-star game. Um, so those conversations obviously have been happening for some time. And then from there it progressed to him meeting with the ownership group and meeting with players. And so from my, you know, what I've witnessed with my own eyes was obviously him coming out to Sachs recreation center and he was, you know, toured through the facility, by Michael Alter himself. And that's not happening unless you're at, unless you're knee deep in, you know, the possibility of, of investing possibly already had by that point, you know, like that's kind of, to me was just the, the tail end of it. Um, And obviously, you know, Michael didn't want to confirm at that point that, you know, Dwayne had invested Dwayne didn't confirm at that point that he had already invested, but He wasn't coming out to Saks Recreation Center just to be like, hey, guys, uh, nice to see you. Keep up the good work. (laughs) So um, I think that moment really signaled that it was more than just interest, even though that's that's when they started alluding to, oh, he's just interested. And so um, from there, you know, we we got the news that it was official. And I think that, um, you know, it really falls in line with what the ownership group has been saying about wanting to take the franchise to a new level. Now it's about action. So even with these added investors, names are great. D- Dwayne Wade, clearly the magnetism I wrote about this is, is in, is huge, but what are you going to do actually? And not even, that's not even a question just to Dwayne. It's what are you going to do with this investment you know, that's a question to the, fr- the entire franchise. And now Dwayne as, as part of that franchise. So, um, you know, names are great. Obviously Laura Ricketts and, and the group of six women that invested are impeccable as well. But again, you know, uh, it, it's, it, that's not enough. And, um, now it's about where do you go from here? What do you do with it? And how do you ensure that, Um, this momentum you've gained from these added investors isn't lost over the course of the next year.
0: Yeah. I mean, the next thing I wanted to ask you about this was what type of influence you think he's going to have going forward? Because I mean, he was interviewed by WNBA countdown and he was very, open about things i haven't really seen chicago's guy ownership be open about saying things like we have a lot of work to do there's no secret about the amount of work we have to do kalia copper is a free agent and and we have to be cognizant of that
1: <laughs> so i am am you know excited as a journalist to be able to kind of document some of this stuff because you're right uh, the this ownership group has really um bristled at any type of um you know criticism whether they believe well no they i don't think they've ever really believed that criticism was just when it when it was being hurled at them whether it's coming from you know um whoever it's coming from i think that this franchise hasn't enjoyed or hasn't yeah hasn't handled criticism very well and when it comes to bringing in a person like Dwayne Wade or like Laura Ricketts for example they very much understand what it takes to to be a championship contending franchise consistently because even if you look at the Chicago Cubs right like they won. They won the World Series in 2016, mm-hmm. and then it's been, you know, a downward spiral since then. But there's still a professionalism that exists there. There's still a franchise that's that's um, attracting top free agents. There's still there's still the Chicago Cubs, and so to establish yourself as that type of franchise, even in the losing years takes a lot of work. And so then you bring in a player or a person like Dwayne Wade, a businessman like Dwayne Wade, a champion, a 13 time all-star. He knows from a player perspective and as a businessman, what it takes to, to establish that type of culture and sustain it, right. Sustaining that type of culture is, is what the emphasis is on. And so I think when you bring in, a voice like Dwayne Wade, you're bringing them in knowing that they're going to be vocal and you don't ignore a voice like Dwayne Wade. You, This is a three-time champion, um, one of the game's greatest. I mean, he's being inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame. Like, You cannot ignore a voice like that. So you don't even go pursuing a voice like that unless you're willing to hear everything that he has to say. So now it becomes how much how involved is Dwayne gonna be right? because again he has a voice you have to listen to but that requires his voice being present actively and so um, that's not to say that he doesn't intend to be that way. Um, again in our limited conversation he said he's going to be as involved as, as they um, want him to be and in the franchise echoed that saying we're gonna he's gonna be as involved as he wants to be so it sounds like he's gonna be involved but again until there's action backed up, behind the language. um, It's just, we can't say for sure, but yeah, again, you don't bring in a name, a voice like Dwayne Wade's um, for him to be some silent partner in the back. Like he's coming in to, as I wrote, be a conduit between the players and the ownership and in a way that they have not had um, in the past. So.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Dwayne Wade knows what professional amenities look like. He knows how that's supposed to feel. Um, And it's just, it's fascinating because the Sky have done a lot when it comes to building their new and improved ownership group. And I just have a question for you, Annie. Has all of this been approved by the Board of Governors yet? Is it a fait accompli? I mean,
1: we're no domain's investment is is absolutely um, still still needs to be approved by the board of governors, and to my knowledge, so does the other um, investment groups' investment. So, um, yeah, no, that's the next step. I mean, there's no reason it shouldn't be, but they it still is is awaiting approval, to my knowledge.
0: For sure, it's just it's so interesting how quickly they've moved. And how they've gotten so much done since Nadia Rollinson was announced as the the chairperson and co-owner. I mean, right. what really, just from your vantage point, what has been her influence? Because she, she's just got so much done.
1: Yeah, I mean, Nadia is a force. Like, Nadia has come in and I think been this vocal leader from a front office standpoint from a management standpoint from a business standpoint and and addressed what needs to be addressed taking questions on what needs to be what questions need to be answered like she i think for a long time and and i've only covered this guy for i don't know how many years now but and and michael alter's always been um an owner that I could get in contact if if needed, um, you know. There's been varying degrees to that, of course, but um, I think for Nadia, what's been apparent for me as a journalist is is she's she's not she's very front facing, and I think the sky needs someone and needs someone who has her background and her skill set and her intelligence and her like she, again, she's a force. It's it's very it's a huge asset. To have a person like that who's, um, you know, making moves and 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 talking about them with the media, you know, like, I think in the past, again, I can only speak to my experience, things have maybe happened that have gone by the wayside because we didn't hear about them or ownership didn't talk about them necessarily. And Nadia is a voice who, um, again, from my experience understands um and and really takes advantage of the momentum that's been building and that's that's what it is right because um all of these moves make our uh, are steps to to making a, a franchise relevant and you know Nadia for sure seems to understand that like she's she's been great to work with in my experience my short experience so far so um yeah I mean I that's that's my opinion on it.
0: Yeah, not just making a franchise relevant, but making it sustainable, which is what right.
1: you alluded
0: to before. You know, it, it's It's been quite dramatic in that you had this, essentially, it was a two-year window where the Sky were championship contenders. And then a lot of interesting things happened as a result. And so clearly that... There is the, the front office. There is high alert here on how, you know, so many, I guess, positive things came during that championship window and knowing that certain things have to be done in order to, to keep, keep the momentum going instead of taking steps back.
1: Yeah, I just want to add to that point, though, that championship window was a credit to Sloot staying, Allie staying and Candace joining. Right. Yeah. That was that was the players who developed a two year championship window. The franchise did not develop a sustainable championship culture, no matter mm. who wants to say that they did. That was a two year window credit to Candace Parker coming home if Candace Parker's from New York if Candace Parker's from Seattle if Candace Parker's from Connecticut who knows what happens right like and it's it also is a credit to James Wade for being the coach and I've written about this a number of times the coach and the GM with enough gusto with enough um obviously like as much as as we've said about his GMing skills, a a coach who was capable of coaching um, a group of stars to a title. So again, that's why we're seeing, that's why we saw such a a brisk downfall is because the championship culture wasn't sustainable because it was built by players, not by the franchise. And that's the difference, right? Like if you want to be a championship Again, like the Cubs, and, and maybe some people will disagree with my take here, but there's, there's a level of, of opulence, of, of decadence that exists within the Cubs organization that win or lose, there's still an attractive place to be. That has yet to be established here.
0: That is, that is an excellent point. That is an excellent point. Um, Before we talk about All-Star in 2024, because that was also some news that we got as well, I do want to quickly touch on what was, I thought, a really interesting way of talking about WNBA expansion. I mean, obviously, Kathy Engelbert addressed the media right before the All-Star game itself. But there were players that were talking about this... During the the press cycle before. Mm. Um, So I'm just curious what you made of that. I mean, Kelsey Plum sort of said, like, I don't think we're ready for expansion right now.
1: I don't, I didn't take necessarily Kelsey's statement as we're not ready for expansion, but she was like, if we're going to expand, then y'all need to do X, Y, and Z for us. Because if you can, if you can bring expansion, then you need to take care of us in the process. So she, I think she's like, what I'll say is this. I think it's really says something about the league that the stars of it are, are vocalizing their their thoughts in the way that they are. there's no reservation there's no and and why should there be right um and so I'm not trying to speak for players in this in this like statement or this thought that I have but there's uh yeah, there's a new sense at least from a media perspective in, in asking some of these questions there's a, a true sense of ease from players of, of vocalizing what they expect as professional athletes. And I think that that's really valuable. And I haven't seen that in my time um, covering the league, or even as a fan when I was younger, you know, like it was, um yeah, th- this, th- and I keep going back to Kelsey's statement of if you're going to expand, well, then we, we need charter flights. We need an increase in pay. Like that's, that's the way Kelsey answered that question is the way any other athlete in any other league would answer a question if they felt that there was a lack. Right. And so in I'll, you know, go to certain questions I've asked in Chicago of like, what is your expectation? How are you feeling about uh, the fact that you guys are the last remaining franchise with a GM head coach. Like, does that bother you? Uh Is it, does it make your job difficult? Like what are your thoughts and to get players genuine reaction is valuable because ownership hears those things, the league hears those things. So I think that the, the vocalness on issues that are, are, important to players is is really valuable and i i think that Kelsey's obviously not alone i mean she was sitting right next to Chelsea when she took that question and Chelsea was agreeing with her and um you know in my experience since you know following up with players on the sky i think there is a sense that if you're bringing in new franchises uh but the standard isn't where it should be yet then is that actually, is that, is that going? Are we going to see success there, or is it just going to be kind of the same issues um, for these other franchises? Or is is the um, expansion of new franchises going to demand? Because we see what's going on in Vegas. Like, if certain franchises elevate to a certain point, well, you're not going to be able to compete unless you meet them where they're at. So if these new franchises come in and they're of that same standard, well, then, you know, will that elevate other franchises that are maybe comfortable with staying in the middle of the pack?
0: That's an that's an excellent point. Um, What I thought was really interesting about that is how NECA then responded to that because as we know, NECA is Madam President of the Players Association, and KP is now her new first VP. And so just looking at what NECA said, what was so fascinating is she started talking about, um, obviously, how both charter flights and expansion need to happen. But it almost seemed like she was taking the expansion route out of the franchise expansion route. Because What she said, and I'm going to read this because it's fascinating. She says, but it kind of sheds a light on kind of the general perspective on what needs to be handled first. Do we need to handle the things that we're currently experiencing before we add another, more teams? And will that also exp- and that will also be experiencing the same stuff. I think so. One thing that is really, for me, that should bothers me, and maybe it's because I'm feeling it more, because I'm on a team experiencing experiencing it. We've had so many hardships signed. And not only do we have hardship because you know people get hurt, but you also have the hardship counting off the cap. So by the time... You get these people back. We're so far over the cap that there's... We've only had one in-season trade. That's the excitement of the league, being able to see that type of movement. So, you know, I just think there are a lot of things we can talk about that can also contribute to the expansion that we want to see. So there was a lot in that quote. I mean, she was even talking about potential roster expansion and how, okay... If you have more spots on each team, then maybe you don't have these hardships. Or if it's an issue of certain franchises maybe can't afford extra spots, you maybe give them an option. You say, okay, would you like to operate in the hardship system or would you like to have an extra spot? That's something that I've thought of. But what are your thoughts on on NECA's response there?
1: Well, Necca's brilliant. Like you're never going to get uh, like the detail that she can always provides in her, in her responses to questions about, um, you know, any major topic like expansion or, um, you know, the salary cap or uh, charter flights. Like she's such a valuable resource as a media member. Um, so, completely unsurprised by the detail and the layers to her response, because right, there's a ton of layers in there. Um, But I think that Neca is, is also so good at vocalizing the desires of many players, because again, in her answer, it's like, there's, there's a, there's a lot of answers in her answer. And so the thing that stands out to me is that, A lot of players do feel that uh, roster expansion is more valuable than league expansion. And so NECA vocalizing that, again, is just another opportunity for the league to either prove that they're listening to its players or they're ignoring them. And so maybe it doesn't need to be one or the other, you know, maybe with league expansion they're also going to announce roster expansion who knows but the value is in the players taking the opportunity to vocalize in a transparent way what their desires are for the league that they are building this league is being built by them so if they're not vocalizing what they want what they expect then um you know the it gets built in a different direction so um, yeah, I think NECA vocalizes what a lot of players feel is that roster expansion is more valuable than league expansion at this moment. So we'll see you know, what comes of that. But um, again, it's an opportunity for owners, for the league itself to either um, listen or ignore what its players are saying. Yeah,
0: I mean, we talked earlier a bit about what is the purpose that All-Star is supposed to serve. And so in addition to what you were saying when it comes to giving the the athletes, I guess, the, the top spot on the, the pedestal and, and elevating them in a certain way, it's also about talking about the state of the league. And it's also about asking them important questions about the state of the league. So... Yeah, I mean, that's what All-Stars should be. And it seems like that was accomplished. Now, let's talk about the future of all Star. So, Kathy Engel, off-air, Annie, you and I were talking about how I was sort of unsure about this, but first I sort of want to hear about why you think Phoenix makes sense as the next destination, and then I'll, I'll provide why I'm a little bit skeptical.
1: Yeah. So I think what needs to be understood is that ownership has a lot to do with the execution of an all-star game or an all-star weekend. So when people are, are saying how wonderful All-Star Weekend was in Vegas, it has a lot to do with the ownership in Vegas. So when you look at Phoenix and the new ownership in Phoenix, I think that's why in my mind this makes a lot of sense because it's following up one, uh, following up a great All-Star Weekend with one that we would all assume is is going to be um, handled the same way. So And that when you when you consistently provide that experience, well, then that sets the standard that the only the only locations that are going to get an all star weekend are going to be locations that could execute it um, to this level. So I think that's why for me, when I think about all star being in Phoenix, I I immediately thought about the ownership in Phoenix and how they are they have the ability, the capacity to execute on a very, you know, elite level. Um, I also think. I think announcing it a year in advance is is the move. Like what are we doing? You know, you don't you don't announce an all-star weekend months in advance, you announce it a year in advance. So um, I personally was offended by them announcing it because I was looking forward to breaking another all-star weekend new, you know, announcement. But kudos to Lily for announcing it a year in advance.
0: Yeah, I mean that I, I agree with you on the front of yes, announce it a year in advance. Every single year. Uh, That should be the standard now. um, Because that also, publicly, that tells your fan base also that, you know, the league takes this event very seriously. And there's a lot of logistical pieces that make All-Star Weekend the pomp and circumstance that it is and that it should be. But I think the reason that my opinion differs a little bit is just because of the state of the Phoenix Mercury in general. And the fact that they right now, sure, their their owner is one that cares much more about his WNBA franchise than his predecessor. But at the same time, they're going through a change. When you go through changes, a lot of the times owners sort of have to look around and see what's going on and what's happening. And it was very striking to me that there was just this assumption that BG was going to return, that BG was going to be on the Phoenix Mercury in 2024 when her contract was only for a year. And the Phoenix Mercury are still, I believe in 11th place in the league. And so it just, it's like the last few years for all-star it's happened in, cities and places where the wnba teams have either been defending champions or have been very much so winning teams and so it just it came across as a little strange to me with this franchise that is in transition there's no fault of their own it's just the the state of how things are and then i sort of thought i was like well okay diana Tarasi. she as of now is planning to play in the 2024 Paris Olympics. Diana Taurasi is still, she will be under contract in 2024. I just wonder, is this sort of a a celebration, DT's legacy send-off type of thing?
1: I mean, it writes itself, right? That makes complete sense. But to your point about like the Mercury being in a state of transition, I think that it, this honestly signals, in my mind, um, a step forward, because as you've mentioned, yeah, the All-Star Game has, histo- or I guess not historically, but the last few years has been in locations where the team just won a championship or the team has some huge draw, or there's some like stardom factor surrounding the team. Well, look at the NBA, like the Utah jazz just hosted all star weekend. Where were they at when they hosted it? You know, like they were at the, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where they were at, but they were definitely at the bottom of the league or the bottom of their conference. So I don't think that, the team hosting All Star has to be anywhere in the standings. I don't think they have to be at the top. I don't, I think they could be where they're, they're at because it's not about the team. Like All Star weekend wasn't about the Las Vegas Aces. Okay. They happen to have four stars playing in the game, which definitely, you know, contributed to Aces fans getting hyped up about it. But the All Star game being in Phoenix doesn't have to, have anything to do with Phoenix. It's about the league. And if done right, if executed, right. Well then the league is celebrated, right. And the league stars who may or may not be on the Mercury will be celebrated. Well, you know, so I think again, like money solves a lot of issues and this new ownership group or sorry, this new Mercury's new owner you know, sure. You make a great point about um, you know it not being maybe a seamless transition, but I still think regardless of that, they can execute a All Star Weekend well if you know invested in properly if if the right uh, moves are made as far as making ensuring that it's an excellent weekend. And yeah, again, I just feel like you know, moving forward, what are, that's kind of what contributed to these late announcements of all-star weekends. Like you can't predict if a, if a team's going to be in a good spot or not and nor should you like, I don't think all-star weekends should be contingent upon or hinge upon how well a team's doing or how many stars are on that team. Like, Give all All Star Weekend should go to the franchises, to the owners, to to the people who can execute uh, All Star Weekend, how it should be executed. Who can prop up the league stars, how they should be propped up during a weekend of celebration for the league. All Star Weekends don't have to do with with any single team in particular.
0: In my opinion,
1: I I totally get that. I also think
0: having it in, well, it will be interesting to see how the city of Phoenix is involved in this. I mean, the thing about Las Vegas is, as you said, the entire city and this massive entertainment capital knew that the WNBA was there. I don't know if the city of Phoenix is, I guess, has that ability, if that makes sense. But then again, there have been all-star games that have taken place in uncasville connecticut that has (laughs) seriously and they did it because the mohegan sun casino had the space to be able to put on that weekend and as we saw or as you saw because you were there in person having the convention centers and the casinos in vegas that opened up a lot of space to do more event programming but anyway We want to thank you for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day. I want to give a huge, huge, huge thank you to Annie for hopping on to the show and and talking uh, basically a post-mortem of All-Star. And please follow her on all of the interwebs at Annie Costable. Um, I can spell it for you all. It is E C O S T A B. ILE, yes, for those of you who are not watching on YouTube. And tomorrow, on Saturday, our WNBA draft and pro player development scouting crew return with their series WNBA Retrospect. And so they're going to be looking at the film of Ticha Penichero. Yes, the guard with so much European flair. Well, this has been Jackie Powell and... Annie Costuma. And we are signing off. We hope you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend.
1: Welcome to For the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast
0: on women's basketball.